Hello and welcome to Complete Caribbean, a Travel Pulse podcast all about the world's favorite warm weather destination, the Caribbean. I'm writer, editor, and Caribbean travel expert, Jet Set Sarah. And I'm Brian Major, managing editor here at Travel Pulse. We're happy to have you join us today as we discuss the ins and the outs of Caribbean travel, and we share the latest info and intelligence on this wonderfully diverse region. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Complete Caribbean Podcast. It is Thursday, August 12th. I'm Sarah, and with me is Brian. Uh, we're going to get straight into things this time, but before we do, I have to say, I apologize. I know that you might have missed us. We're, we had about a little extra week in between our podcasts because Brian's been traveling, I've been traveling. So all the more reason why we really hope that you are subscribing wherever you get your podcast, so you'll get pinged every time a fresh, hot, fresh episode uh, comes out. Like now, right, right? That's right. So do that, and uh, it's good. It's great to be back, Sarah. It is good to be back, right? It's good to be on the road, but it's also good to be back. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. So we're going to stick, get stuck right in with our This Just In section. So as usual, <laughs> we're going to kick off the show with the latest on how entry requirements in the Caribbean are changing as the COVID crisis continues. This week alone, we've seen changes to requirements in four Caribbean destinations be announced. Uh, first, let's talk about the Bahamas. Previously, if you were vaxxed and visiting the Bahamas, all you had to do was upload proof to the portal, proof of your vaccination to the portal to get your travel health visa. But as of this week, all visitors, whether you're vaxxed or not, will now also have to provide negative results from a COVID test, rapid or PCR, no more than five days, taken no more than five days before arrival. Of course, you know, these things are always changing. So you should go to Bahamas.com just to check before you travel. And I'm going to give you the website. So if everywhere we talk about just in case, so you can check there too. Um, in Bermuda, we also saw changes. They've had a spike in case numbers. And so now the window for the pre-arrival COVID testing has been shortened from a previous five days to four. Uh, for the latest information, go to go to bermuda.com. And then we've had the same thing, unfortunately, happen in Martinique. There has been a serious spike there. And basically, the island has entered a very strict three-week lockdown. Hotels have been closed. Beaches have been closed and, quote unquote, all vulnerable tourists have been encouraged to leave immediately. So serious situation there in Martinique. If you're thinking of going, now's not the time. But when you are, go to martinique.com. And then we also have some serious news in Puerto Rico, where as of August 16th, that's uh, four days time. If you're visiting, you will either need to show proof of vaccination or present negative results from a PCR or rapid test taken within 72 hours of arrival. If you're vaccinated and you're planning to stay more than a week, you're also going to have to get tested every week. So um, all that information and more is at discoverpuertorico.com. But I think, you know, the, the whole point is, you know, if you if you want to travel, you have to get vaccinated. And if you want to travel, you have to check requirements because honestly, Things are changing day by day as COVID changes and uh, the Delta variant runs rampant, unfortunately. Yes, we what 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 did we say weeks ago? The protocols are going to change frequently. We don't know what's down the road. 
we are going to see adjustments all the time. So as, um, you know, as difficult as these um, new restrictions requirements are, um, they're the norm now. They're what's going to happen. And uh, if you're traveling the region, stay in touch, stay up to date with recognized sources from the host company, you country you plan to travel to and stay in close contact with your travel advisor every day, every step of the way, so that you are knowing that they're changing minute to minute, as Sarah pointed out. So, you know, speaking of change, I wanted to go uh, into our next item, which is about a new Caribbean tourism minister. Um, Dr. Ernest Hilaire was was sworn in this week as St. Lucia's Minister for Tourism Investment, Creative Industries, Culture, and Information. Now, oh, that's a big title. That's yeah, a big this, title, Brian. This is like, you know, this is like a Caribbean <laughs> it's a big Caribbean so. title. Yes. <laughs> you're you're going to, you know, when you work for the government, you're going to be in some agencies. So, yep. Yep. So yep. Yep. that's about four or five agencies uh, Dr. Hilaire will be part of. So um, well, he was named to this post by there's a new prime minister also in St. Lucia. His name is Philip J. Pierre. He was elected on July 26th, and his um, election ended a five-year tenure for a good friend of ours, um, of Sarah's and, our, and mine. Uh, actually, the first guest on our complete Caribbean yes. podcast, Alan Chesney, yes. who is uh, who was defeated. Uh, he served one term, and it was five years. Um, one way or another, um, with this with this um, result. Um, there's going to be a change in, uh, or maybe an adjustment in uh, how St. Lucia um, uh, markets tourism. Um, it's a tourism-reliant nation, as we know, and uh, with uh, Dr. Hilaire in place, uh, he replaces Dominic Fadi, another friend of Sarah and mine, uh, who Chastanet appointed minister in, in 2016. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Um, uh, Alan's loss was a surprise to some observers. I think it was a bit of a surprise to me, too. Um, He's a former tourism minister, and he directed an aggressive marketing program that emphasized St. Lucia's natural beauty and its desirability as an adventure and romance, health and wellness, and destination wedding um, destination. a lot of a lot of things under the hat there. A lot of uh, profiles, but they all were legitimate for St. Lucia. I think Sarah would agree. It's it's a particularly mm-hmm. lush destination among Caribbean destinations, and it lends itself to many of these pursuits, including adventure and including uh, it has a world uh, UNESCO World Heritage Site, the Piton Mountains. Um, so they've had about a seven percent growth in 2019 in visitor arrivals. They also have strong cruise business traditionally. So it's gonna be interesting coming out of the pandemic to see how the new administration handles tourism marketing. And for his part, uh, Dr. Hilaire said he's going to be convening meetings with the Ministry of Tourism, the St. Lucia Tourism Authority and private sector organizations to gain visibility on the current plans. And he expects to gain meaningful insight to ensure the strategy set forth for promoting St. Lucia is one which positions the destination for full recovery and sustainable growth. So, I mean, that's, he's got a lot on his plate and he's following an, an administration that was experienced in tourism, SR and I know, and, and was successful by some measures. Five, 7% growth in 2019 is good. Any, I think all the islands are looking for anything north of 5%. That's good. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. Of course, they took a tremendous hit from, from 2020, you know, like all of the Caribbean destinations. So the challenges are even more so. So 
that's uh, one of the new things going on in the region. You know, and we wish a new minister the best of luck because Absolutely. honestly, this is a very challenging time to assume a tourism portfolio for any Caribbean destination. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll have him on and he can talk about what is best. Yeah, it, right? You know, we're working on it, fans. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to talk for me. I want actually want to talk some good news. So even though people think right. that, you know, probably there aren't any new resorts that have opened or are opening in this pandemic era, the truth is there are. And what I wanted to talk to you about is Sandals Resort's 16th resort, Sandals Royal Curacao. It's scheduled to open next April, and this week, bookings actually opened for the resort. Yeah, it seemed, it seemed very fast. Um, so it's, it's a former Santa Barbara Beach and Golf Resort, which sits along the lagoon at Spanish Water, and the resort will feature several firsts for the Caribbean resort chain. And where, full disclosure, I used to work for Sandals in PR way back in the dark ages more than 20 years ago. When I worked there, they only had six resorts. Now they have 16, so they've come a long way, baby. Um, and there's some, some things, you know, obviously you're going to have all the bells and whistles that Sandals Resorts usually have, but there are a couple of things I wanted to flag that I found a bit interesting. Um, they're going to have two new, two new suite categories that will include butler service, private pools, and use of a convertible mini Cooper to explore the Dutch Caribbean Island. I think that sounds like fun. You know, people always... People, there is a criticism of all inclusives that they keep people inside and not outside seeing the destination. So this is a move in the right direction for sure. Uh, the restaurant, the hotel will have nine restaurants and one of them will be called the Duchess. And it's actually a floating restaurant and bar that will be constructed from a 92 foot Dutch built ship. Very interesting. And three beachfront food trucks, also very interesting. But the one that of the nine restaurants, the one that I'm most interested in is one, um, I forget what it's called, but it's called, it's going to be a wine and cheese bar. And cheese is like my middle name. I love cheese. It's a wine and Dutch cheese bar. So I'm very happy. I, I want to check that one Doing out. Doing a lot of people. And right. And of course, there'll be the usual spa. There is an 18-hole golf course. All the other bells and whistles we've come to expect from Sandals. But I think uh, if you want to go to somewhere that a lot of people don't go, Curacao in the Dutch Caribbean, but you want the familiarity of a brand that you know and maybe have stayed with, think about Sandals Royal Curacao opening next April. Great. I began... I became knowledgeable. I have a cruise background before I started writing about Caribbean resorts. And I remember when I first started doing that, um, Sandals was one of a group of companies in Jamaica mm-hmm. that were kind of in, a, in the all-inclusive category. It was no, not even close to number one or anything like that. What's happened since then is like unbelievable. And yeah. um, the fact that they're going to another country now, Curacao, is, you know, it's pretty special. It's just very special. So looking forward to that. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to talk a bit about uh, St. Kitts and Nevis and how we've said several times protocols are changing and communication is key. Um, This past week, the government issued a statement saying the dual island nation has not set capacity limitations on the number of passengers that can enter the Federation on a cruise ship. Um, They were responding to a August 2nd blog post from the Royal Caribbean blog that said federal federal that said St. Kitts and Nevis had instituted instituted a policy saying only 700 guests may visit the island per visit per ship. 
Now, um, St. Kitts and Nevis went to the step of issuing a statement to say <laughs> there, is, there is no such limitation. Uh, and I'm quoting from the statement, the cruise protocols for the resumption of tourism do not place limits on the number of passengers allowed to enter the Federation on a cruise ship. The dis- that, that's from Lindsey Grant, who is the uh, Minister of Tourism, uh, who we've interviewed on, uh, mm-hmm. of course, on the Caribbean. Uh, Mr. Grant has said also that the decision by Royal Caribbean for the allure of the seas not to make a port call in St. Kitts on their August 8th sailing was not because of any 700 passenger maximum capacity per ship. They didn't give the they didn't give the reason this ship did not make that call. Yeah, which they is interesting. To, you know, it's interesting. I don't think they're looking to bash Royal Caribbean. I don't think they're looking to um maybe there's a little, you know, I don't want to say tip for tat. I maybe I don't think they're necessarily doing that, but you know, and the Royal Caribbean blog is a blog that follows Royal Caribbean. It is not officially affiliated with the line. Um, I'm I'm not they usually have mostly credible um, information and sometimes have information that is ahead of some of the other information that's out there. So it's interesting um, just what's behind that. But um, the point is to work with the governments, look for government information, look for supplier information direct and talk with your travel advisor, go with the recognized, organized certified sources of information when you're t- when you're doing your travel research and you can't absolutely you really can't go wrong because right now it's easy to look at blogs we have a lot of blogs that follow travel most do a really good job um but that's not the same as official information so right keep yourself informed i always re- re- recommend that people just put in the name of their destination and then official tourism in the google search box and then you will usually go straight to the official tourism website of that place and also of course if you keep it locked to complete caribbean you're guaranteed you to have some good certified news talk about sources <laughs> well great i hope you um enjoy some of that information there from Sarah and I. And uh, next up is Island Intel. Uh, this week, our, our interview subject is Miles Mercera, CEO of Tourism Co- Corporation, Bonaire. Um, Miles is a Bonaire native, and he has some great information for us. Welcome, Miles. We're happy to have you. Thank you very much. I'm great uh, to be on board as well, either virtually or in person, hopefully soon, but it's great to be on board. Yes, hopefully in person. I have the advantage over Brian because I've actually been to Bonaire once and was really surprised as a non-diver to know how much there was for me to do. I was very impressed with your restaurants. I got to come back and have some iguana soup. I didn't get a chance awesome, to have that. Awesome. Well, oh, you said you'd mentioned the iguana soup. You <laughs> yes, I really wanted to try it. I don't know what happened, but I just remember good restaurants and really good shopping. So That's you don't good. have to be a diver. Did you, did you try the goats too as well? I did. I did. And I'm familiar with that from Jamaica. So I really enjoyed it. But next time, Iguana. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that uh, as much as it's very interesting that I haven't had Iguana soup yet, I'm sure that our listeners are interested in other things like what's going in Bonaire. So first, what's going on in Bonaire? So first of all, tell me, we all know, you know, just I'm sure all our listeners know, but Bonaire is one of the ABC islands in the Dutch Caribbean. Right. But what we really want to know to know now as we go through a pandemic is what are the current entry requirements for getting to your island? 
Okay. Well, um, that's a great question. Um, the good the good thing is that we are open for business. We're open to the world. We're welcoming visitors back for a few months already, and we're enjoying it to see back the livelihood on the streets and the hotels full, the restaurants getting back full. So we're happy with that. The current entry requirements are pretty simple. Um, it takes you only needed 48 hours in advance PCR tests if you're traveling out of the U.S. to bon Bonaire. Um, okay. You would also need a health declaration form filled in 48 hours in advance. And then uh, once you're here, um, it's basically off to go and enjoy your vacation. Um, there's no test uh, to, to be done uh, while you're on island. And um, once you have your PCR test, um, and, and you're welcome to visit. And may I just quickly ask you, does those requirements apply across the board to people, whether they've been vaccinated or not vaccinated? Um, yes, we do have a difference if you are vaccinated coming from a low-risk country, and that's depending on where you're com com coming from. Um, for, for example, if you're traveling from Curacao to Bonaire, um, you will do not need a test because we have a bubble and because it's a low-risk country. Okay. Um, but if you're coming, uh, for example, currently um, today, and it changes every week, um, the U.S. is a, um, a, um, a high-risk country. And then that means that we, you would need, even if you're vaccinated, you would still need a PCR test to get it. Okay, perfect. And Miles, let me ask before I get into this question of um, of COVID nineteen possible level in in Bonaire um, to access the travel authorization form. Uh, I imagine that's online. Can you tell us what the address is? Where do I go to get all this information? Um, well, you would always be able to visit our website, tourismbonaire.com, to get the, the updated information on what's happening. We also have a dedicated portal called, called bonairecrisis.com, where you can really get updated information as well from a government side on what's happening um, around the world, um, what's our current vaccination rate, um, and also information on maybe changes in terms of PCR tests, yes or no. Um, we always recommend um, all of our travelers to check a few um, days prior to traveling if there are any, any changes. Um, but uh, most of the time, um, we, we just rely on the PCR test being done in advance together with your health declaration form, and then you're good to go. It sounds like you have a great handle on that um, aspect, certainly. Um, what um, generally, um, Miles, is the state of uh, COVID-19 infection in the territory and um, what, uh, how's that being managed presently? Um, well, I'm very proud, especially um, coming from a, a small destination like Bonaire with about 20,000 people living here, and that we have managed the COVID pandemic very well. Um, uh, we have limited cases to no cases on a daily basis. Um, current cases, if I just look at the current numbers, um, for the past month, we had about 16 cases in total. So you're talking about basically um, nothing. Um, so we're very happy um, with the, the low um, 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 risk, but also the low um, spread of the virus. Um, and this is due because we were very strict since, since day one, once opening, um, how we, we have managed um, the entry. Um, it, it's also safe for our visitors to know um, that all visitors coming to the destinations will be checked them before um, arrival with your pre-share test and your health de de declaration form. But I think the cool thing about Bonaire is, is that um, we are basically the number one in the Caribbean in terms of the vaccination um, rate. And over 80% of our population is vaccinated. 
vaccinated, um, we are we, we're taking this very serious, um, and uh, we do we, we do focus on getting it 100% soon. Um, so uh, um, we're very happy that this is also helping us into min minimizing the risk and making sure that the traveler comes here really gets the tranquility that uh, we are known for. So let me ask you, you have, I mean, that is commendable, only 16 cases right now, even out of 20,000 people, that's a very, very small amount. But are you finding, with the, even with these low numbers, are you finding that, these, um, that the spread, even though it is low, is within the community or are you finding it um, in the resort areas? Um, no, it's uh, the majority uh, of the cases uh, was uh, in, in the local com community. Um, there are here and there um, that you see um, that it's also um, basically by um, visitors coming in that they were also known here that they, they got the vi virus. Um, but it's it's a mix and uh, it's basically um, up to zero in terms of um, uh, really having an Im Im impact. So, but we're very happy with the low, low cases. And this is, I think, what makes... As you should be. Bonaire is unique at the moment. People are really choosing Bonaire as a destination just because it's a safe destination to visit at the moment. Outstanding point. Um, safety, security, confidence in the destination. I mean, that's part of the uh, equation right now of uh, where you're going to travel and why. Um, I think that leads into the question of, you know, how, you know, generally, Miles, talk about how the government was able to balance the the need to resume tourism activity, um, but at the same time protect health and safety. It's almost like two different kind of things you're trying to do at once. Correct. But how did you how did you approach? How was the government's approach? I think um, the government played a leading role into making sure that we remain to our core. I think what is the the big benefit that the Bonaire is now currently seeing in terms of. But once we, we were open, because Bonaire was always a small destination, very exclusive, not your mass destination, not your big tours with 100 people sitting around each other, that means that we were already very personalized. So people had the space already. Um, our bungalows, our resorts are spaced out. Um, most, most people come to the destination, they rent a car. Um, and the restaurants are spaced out. They're all boutique rest restaurants with a few tables where you really get an intimate experience which makes basically, um, especially post-COVID, you're the perfect place to make sure that you have a, a healthy and safe vacation because we are very um, small, small in terms of um, small scale and um, boutique oriented that we are not at mass destination. We have to think about, okay, um, how, how do we get a thousand people on the bus? How, how, do, how do we sell the tours, et cetera? Because we don't have that problem in Bonaire because we are very unique in what we have and what we have had for the past many, many years on the island. You talked earlier, Miles, about um, vaccination. Can you remind us again? What, I know that you're doing very well. What is the vaccination um, percentage of people there on Bonaire who've been vaccinated? Um, it's 80.9% uh, at the moment. Wow. Um, I think uh, it's changing every week. Um, if you visit our, uh, as well on our website, BonaireCrisis.com, um, you will see our vaccination rate uh, increasing as well. Um, Bonaire, and the good thing is um, that we started very early on uh, once the vaccination was available globally, that Bonaire was as well one of the first destinations who really got this uh, opportunity to um, vaccinate their local population. And that is really impressive when I know that a Caribbean is struggling. A lot of the Caribbean is struggling with people's hesitance to get the vaccines. It doesn't seem like you have that problem in Bonaire. Um, no, I think that we are all aware um, of the importance of being vaccinated, but also aware of that we are a very 
tourism dependent as an island and uh, if and we, we we know that if you want to get back to business open up our community again um, and to make sure that the world can experience us we also need to be prepared and make sure that our community is safe so um the the vaccination pro program was a, a priority for the local government as well for the tourism industry to make sure that we're protecting our community because that is what makes Bonaire special and when and when you mentioned what makes Bonaire special, you know, again, we mentioned Sarah's been there. I have not. You know, she's got the advantage over me. So, Miles, <laughs> tell me what what are the signature attractions uh, that are open to visitors now? It sounds like in a way there's nothing that you couldn't do before that you can't do now, Bonaire. But tell us what, you know, if I'm a Bonaire, certainly dive is, is something we know about as a Bonaire um, activity. Right. But something else. And of what course. else? Available. Most uh, most people know and think about Bonaire, oh, that's the number one diving spot in, in the world. And yes, we are, and we are proud of it. Um, but we have a large part of outdoor activities and, and activities that I think is worthwhile experiencing. And the, all of our activities are always out outdoor. Even our airport is uh, outdoor. It's uh, fully open. So there's no really um, closed areas with air, air conditioning. Flamingo Airport, right? The Flamingo Airport. Best right. airport yes. name in the Caribbean. <laughs> best name, best name. I think you should have a whole flock of, of flamingos there to meet people when they come. <laughs> well, that's a really, really great thing to maybe do it. But um, of course, <laughs> as, as an island, we're all, always pr protecting our um, nature and wildlife. Um, but mm -hmm. Bonaire um, is known um, specifically in the world as well. for Not for now, but for the past 40 years, we've been pr protecting our um, nature but also our wildlife. That's why as well, um, activities such as hiking, biking, and animal sanctuaries, historical landmarks are mm -hmm. part of it because we really want people to respect um, our, our nature, but also respect our history and culture, but by experiencing it with us. And uh, um, from, from great food scenes and to eco-friendly adventures, that's what Bonaire is all, all about. And uh, I always um, 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 tell people that in, in the world that's fast changing, you can experience anything everywhere in the world. But the thing that makes Bonaire different is our people. Um, we are a, com a community that's um, um, what we call in our own lang language. We're very humble um, and we really want people to experience the best of what we have to offer. So most probably once you're here, we'll be the one guiding you and taking you around. And that's what makes Bonaire special because we yeah. still have that small scale intimate experience that we want everybody mm -hmm. to experience because that is what makes the world unique at this space where I think we're so busy with so many other challenges and drama in, in the world that we're taking yes. okay it's an intimate one-on-one -on -one connection that makes your journey worthwhile okay so speaking of one-on-one -on -one then so if, well let's make it two on one if Brian <laughs> and I came and you were the one showing us around. Okay. What's your favorite place? Where's the number one place that you would take Ooh, us to as, as a son of the Bonaire soil? Where are we going? Well, as a uh, Bonariano, as they say in our own language. Bonariano. Okay. We learned, it sounds like a dance. But <laughs> Bonariano. Okay. We learned a new I would word say today. It, has, it, it, it will start with food. Um, um, I, mm -hmm. I, I've grown up in a family where we, I think, uh, food brought us together. And that's my favorite dish is of course goat stew. Um, I would take you to a local place called Divi Divi and we'll, or Mikey's Tank and we'll get the best goat stew there. Um, uh, and okay. af af afterwards, I think you'll be so full that you're, you're gonna <laughs> tell me you're gonna sleep. 
I'm going to tell you no, that's the part you just started. Um, and then I'll take you, I think, to three favorite spots on, on the island. Um, one of them is uh, Rincon, which is the oldest village uh, on the island, but also the oldest village in the Netherlands, Antilles, um, which still has that, that raw and unique culture and vibe to it. And I'll just walk you through the village um, and, and let you meet um, the locals. And most probably they'll open up your door and give you a homemade ice cream or, or share with you their favorite dish. And I think my, my life evolves around eating, so we'll, we'll be eating in the home as well. Um, Listen, if we're going to get ice cream and maybe some iguana soup, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, it's a deal. Perfect. And then I will take you as well to my favorite beach. And my the favorite beach goes back to my childhood. I was raised in Belnem, which is also a neighborhood on the left, right side of the airport. Um, and there, there's a beach called Bachelor's Beach. Of course, mm. it doesn't mean that you have to be single to, to be swimming, swimming there. Um, but your Bachelor's Beach is basically um, an amazing, small, intimate cove where you have the white sandy beach, I think. You just have to jump off the cliff to experience it. And that's where I would really take you to understand what, what, what I call tranquility and really going back to the basic. And, and that, that to me is my favorite spot to swim. Um, of course, there are many other areas uh, in Bonaire, but the, those to me are my personal spots that I really want to take you to experience. Listen, I am sold. I want to go to Bonaire yesterday. What about you, Brian? Uh, that sounded like the most lovely description we've heard maybe on our in any of our podcasts. I think so. Yeah, we could to. tell. We're always asking people for their personal recommendations, and yours sound really personal. So we're going to put you, we're going to elevate you to the top of our list yeah. <laughs> where, gonna where we're going to go next. Go we're going to come to Bonaire. <laughs> go Bonaire. Yeah. We're going to dance some Bonaireano. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, we're so thrilled that you joined us today. We've learned a lot in a very short period of time. Indeed. And honestly, Brian and I are both, um, I think, really inspired and excited to come to your island, which, of course, as you said, has an enviable, enviably low rate of COVID transmission, which makes it even more attractive. Correct. Definitely. And uh, as from my side as well, I appreciate um, uh, um, the opportunity to share the secret of the Caribbean, which is Bonaire. Um, it's always uh, great to be able to share what our small island community is, is doing. And when we, when we think about the big Caribbean destinations, and we're always that small destination with 20,000 people, but our hearts are big and uh, we have big dreams for our destination. And our com community is really welcome and we're ready to welcome you back on, let's say, the, the pieces of paradise of earth that I think we all have to see once in our lifetime. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much for coming, Miles. More than better. So thank you so much, Miles. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. That was a great, great interview from Mr. Miles Mercera, who is CEO of Tourism Corpor Corporation, Bonaire, um, a Bonaire native, and as you can tell, an enthusiastic um, uh, promoter of, uh, of his country, which uh, um, we're going to get to. We're going to get to. Sarah and I are going to get there. Absolutely. So um, you can look forward to that. Um, now, let's go now next to Island in a Box, where we take a look at uh, some uh, happenings around the Caribbean. And, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I watched a lot of the Olympics. Definitely watch the, the sprinting and the racing. Go I Jamaica. Watched, go Jamaica. I watch events like compet like like artistic swimming and um <laughs> canoe slalom. So, so wow, was, canoe slalom. I never yeah, even heard I, you of know, that I was one confused before. by those events. But um 
I, what I really thought was pretty cool was that uh, Sandals, uh, which we mentioned earlier, they, Sandals Resorts gave free vacations to nearly 100 Caribbean Olympians. The Olympians who earned medals received complimentary stays at a Sandals or Beaches resort in, the, in, in that resort's highest room category with no limits on nights. They were also provided with BMW transfers to use. So that was kind of nice. But guess what? They didn't leave, they didn't leave the, the non-medal winners out. All of the Olympics who competed and did not receive medals also received a free, all-inclusive four-night vacation at a Sandals or Beaches resort on their home island. And uh, the Olympians from St. Vincent are going to use, utilize the St. Lucia resort because the St. Vincent Sandals is not yet open. So um, another new uh, destination for Sandals, St. Vincent. So, um, you know, um, Sarah and I both know um, Adam and we, and we both uh, knew uh, Butch Stewart. And this is just, just the same kind of thing that Butch would have done for uh, absolutely for Caribbean people. You know, he's all there, you know, it's it's their home. And, you know, they feel the way I think people should feel about their home and they, they, they want to um, do everything they can to help everybody there. Um, and I just want to read his quote from Adam. It takes a great amount of sacrifice, hard work, dedication and consistency to even make it to the Olympics. Our Caribbean athletes have shown admirable grit, tenacity and a fighting spirit. And as a Caribbean brand entirely committed to the development of the region and showcasing our regional talent, we are beyond proud of every single athlete who went out there to represent their country. I'm so, telling um, you, as a, as a Caribbean person, as a Jamaican person, and as a Caribbean person, honestly, we, we're so into track and field. So the, the, last, the second week of the Olympics was just fantastic. And we have a, we have a term in Jamaica, we talk really how we, we didn't dominate, we jaminate. And we really <laughs> jaminated at the Olympics. And I'm very proud of, of our Jamaican athletes and the Caribbean athletes as well. So well done, Olympians. Well done. No question about it. <laughs> I, so I missed the first week of the Olympics, which freaked me out because I'm a big Olympics person. Uh, and I missed it because I was on a ship and wanted to talk a little bit about where I was. I was on Crystal Cruises, uh, Crystal Serenity, and it was doing an industry first. It was doing um, an exclusively Bahamian out island cruise, seven nights that started in either Nassau or you could get on in Bimini. And then you cruise to Great Exuma, Long Island, San Salvador, and which was the other place? Oh, my gosh. It's slipping me, but I'll come back to it. Um, <laughs> And Bimini, Bim yeah, Bimini, Bimini, San Salvador, right. Long Island. Bimini. Yes. Okay. And honestly, it was a fabulous trip. And I wanted to talk about it because it's uh, there's still time to take it. Crystal Cruises Bahamas season really came about. Um, they announced it starting in March. They announced it in March when, as you recall, the CDC hadn't yet given cruise lines permission to cruise um, uh, out from America. So at that time, cruise lines were, you know, home porting ships uh, all over the Caribbean. And so Crystal decided to do basically visit one country, but still give you a seven day cruise because, you know, the Bahamas has 700 different islands and keys. It's not just Nassau. So um, this was an industry first where you could do a seven day all inclusive, um, all Bahamas cruise and I wanted to do it and it was really quite interesting because you know Crystal Cruise Crystal Serenity is a ship that takes 980 passengers it wasn't going at full capacity there were somewhere between 350 and four of us on the ship which in cruise setting of course is very small 
less than half. But right, but when you consider that some of the islands we were going to had a population of, you know, thirteen hundred people, <laughs> I was very interested to see what sort of impact we would have on those islands who, until now, had never received cruise ships. I spoke to a lot of people um, in San Salvador and on Long Island who said, you know, usually we just see those ships going by on the horizon. And as children, we would just watch them go by. And now all of a sudden they're here and people would come out to take photographs of the ship because they just never seen anything so big in their waters. Obviously, apart from Bimini, which has a pier, all of the other ports, we actually had to anchor out at sea and then tender in. Um, but still, it was amazing to be able to see these lesser known Bahamian islands. And you really, if you've only ever been to Nassau, and a lot of people think, oh, I went to Nassau, so I know the Bahamas. You don't. The out islands are also called the family islands are completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Um very rustic, very laid back, barefoot, casual. You know, you're not going to find casinos and big resorts. You're going to find guest houses and Airbnb, Airbnbs, but you know, you're also going to find some of the best beaches in the Caribbean and the bluest water. You know, Brian, you cannot beat those no Bahamian blues. It's unbelievable. The beaches, how- you know, I always say to people, you know, the Caribbean, yes, the Caribbean has beautiful waters, but the Bahamas and the Turks and Caicos, to me, make the other islands, even Jamaica, look like they're not trying. So anyway, this is a very, yeah, so this, um, the Crystal Serenity Bahamas uh, itineraries run from, they started in July and they'll run until mid-November. So it's interesting. You can still go if you want to. Um, Crystal is a very high end line, but they're giving deep discounts actually on this itinerary. Mm-hmm. Uh, rates are starting at $1,000 a person. And what I was really happy to see was that they also did a local Bahamian discount of about $1,000 a person. So there were nice. probably, I would think, about a dozen Bahamians on board, many of whom were seeing these islands for the first time themselves, even though they Absolutely. were native Bahamians. So I thought it was good that Crystal was also encouraging local people to go. And it's a very high end product at a really quite a reasonable price. So um, I recommend it. That is a good value for somebody who. Yeah, right. Excellent value. Who's been on that ship and then familiar with that. It's an excellent value with good dining and the the whole thing. It's a, a, you know. Yeah. So think about it, guys. Crystal Serenity. You never know. Great. And, you know, there is there is good news all around our, our business. And uh, I was particularly interested to see how that would work out. I'm thanks, Sarah, for for updating us on on how that had worked out, because for the same reasons, um, these are small ports that had never hosted ships before. And, you know, you always wonder about the, the, the groundwork that the cruise line has done with the community to, to to prepare them for or what they you know, what they will should experience and and passengers as well. So if we can all do you know, a nice job of communicating again. And uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, things like that can, it's, it's nice to see uh, uh, something like that happen. And particularly to hear that the Bahamian people uh, got a kick out of the whole thing to, you know, to an extent. Um, so I wanted to also share uh, something about um, Puerto Rico, um, which Sarah and I know well, um, um, Discover Puerto Rico, the island's nonprofit destination marketing organization, has launched a new campaign. It's called Population U, and it's designed to showcase eight of the island's lesser-known attractions and natural wonders. The campaign campaign features pictures of each attraction, GPS coordinates uh, throughout the month on its website, on its Facebook page, on its Instagram page, and it's discoverpuertorico.com. 
it'll lead you in there. And, you know, I mentioned that because, um, again, Sarah and I have been there many times. We, 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 we've walked around old San Juan at different times and we've also gone. I remember one excursion we did, like we, like we were on a transport, like two hours at least driving, mm-hmm. um, to Cabo Rojo, um, yes. which was great. And, Home of uh, Trifongo. I will never forget yeah. having not Mofongo, but Trifongo there. That was very Trifong- good. Oh, you remember? Wow. See, yep. I mean, you know, my I travel remember. partner. She's she's sharp, man. She's sharp. <laughs> so uh, we did that. We had a we had a lot of fun. It was it was it was pretty interesting. And uh, it, Puerto Rico is underrated in that regard, in that there are numerous distinct areas of the island that are much different from one another. I've been in Toro Verde National Naturalist Park, and, and it's a mountain biking park, uh, zip lining park. It's the largest zip line, one of the largest zip lines in the world, uh, if you're into that, and uh, beautiful hikes there. But you also have Cabo Rojo, which has an historic lighthouse. It's a coastal area. I get great Instagram shots there of the high cliffs. So um, check it out. Look at Puerto Rico and just Keep in mind that the Caribbean is an example of the Caribbean's diversity, even within one destination. I agree with you 100 percent, Brian. People tend to think that all the Caribbean islands are the same and that they're all just about beaches and swaying palm trees. But the region has so much more to offer. And I hope that when people listen to Complete Caribbean and read your articles and read mine, they appreciate the diversity of the region and have another reason to to go, basically. No kidding. That's right, Sarah. Um, we are um, blessed to cover this diverse region. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, episode of Complete Caribbean. I think this is one of our most fun episodes. So um, please, uh, again, subscribe um, um, wherever you find your podcast. Subscribe to our Complete Caribbean podcast. We have the greatest guests in the region talking tourism and the greatest host, Sarah Greaves Gabadon. Uh, who joins me every episode. Bye-bye, everybody. See you next time.